read the scripture. Hear the word of God from Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 18 through 21. This reading comes from the Common English Bible. Place these words I'm speaking on your heart and in your very being. Tie them on your hand as a sign. They should be on your forehead as a symbol. Teach them to your children by talking about them when you are sitting around your house and when you are out and about and when you are lying down and when you are getting up. Write them on the house's door frames and on your city's gates. Do all that so your days and your children's days on the fertile land the Lord swore to give you give to your ancestors are many indeed as many as the number of days that the sky has been over the earth the word of god for the world thanks be to god you hear that Do you hear it? <laughs> We're going to find out. So what hangs in your house? Somewhere where people gather? Do you have any like messaging or, or um, paintings or whatever? You have some? Okay, I want to show you what I have. Will you throw that first one up? There it is. There, this is what we have near our dining room. How about y'all? Who, who, has, who has something to hang? What, what, what does yours say? Ooh, pretty good. Anybody else? You don't have anything hanging? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, Mac? Eat. <laughs> Fantastic. Inspirational. Nice work. All right, anybody else? Back? Did someone have their hand up? Yes, anyone. Shout. Okay, somebody likes Hamilton. Awesome. Anybody? One more. Did someone have their hand waved? No? Okay. So that's what's, put that back up for a sec. That's what's hanging at, at my house because we've got to uh, remind folks to do those things. So, so I went to Israel about, gosh, it was like three or four years ago now, and I noticed something hanging on a lot of the doorposts. I don't know if you've ever seen one of these, but here's a picture of one. I'm going to go ahead and throw that one up. Does anyone know what that is? It's a what? Prophylax? Okay, I thought you said prophylactic. <laughs> I was very confused. Very confused. No, so somebody said it. Go ahead, say it. A mezuzah. Say that with me. Mezuzah. Yes, yes. So mezuzah is the Hebrew word for doorpost found in our scripture today that you heard her read. It has a scroll inside of it that has some important verses on it. I got one, and I'm going to put one up in my house. But so here it is right here. And you can see there's a little scroll in it. And in the tradition, you kind of saw this all around Jerusalem. The tradition is, is you have one on the doorpost. You slant it to the right. And every time you walk in or walk out, you touch this and kind of kiss your lips as an expression of faith. Okay. And I'll tell you what's going to be on the scroll in just a minute. But why do they do that? Why do we have messaging hanging near where we gather? Why do we have 
uh, God's going to handle your, your problems today. Why? Because we forget. Because we forget. We do it so we will remember. You see, we humans have to be reminded over and over and over again about God's love and our call to it. John Claypool, one of my favorite preachers, Baptist turned Episcopalian after the divorce, says something really, really, really powerful. This is what he says. Here, get this. Don't want to miss this. The essence of original sin is forgetfulness. The essence of original sin is forgetfulness. Not that you're bad, although we are sometimes, right? But that we forget. We forget who God is. We forget who we are and where we're made, and we forget who we're called to be. Mezuzah. Yeah, thanks. Mezuzah. So the Hebrews literally wanted to remember. So the tradition is you hang this on your doorpost. If you've ever been to Jerusalem, you see these dudes with these things on their head walking around. It's the same thing. They, they, they attach them to their heads because they, they took it literally. And what's written in each one of these scrolls, or at least the way tradition has it, is something called the Shema. The Shema. You know what that is, right? If you don't, I didn't either when I first started. So here, here's what it says. So the verses that are often in here are for Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, 11, and then 13 through 21. I'm not going to read all of them, but I do want... They're going to be familiar to you. Ready? Israel, listen. I'm going to say, Hyde Park, listen. Our God is the Lord. Only the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. These words I am commanding you today to always be on your minds. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're sitting around your house and when you're out and about and when you're lying down and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hand as a sign. They should be on your forehead as a symbol. Write them on your house's door frames and on your city's gates. They told us to do it way back in biblical times because they knew we'd forget. We forget about God. Just ask the Israelites in the desert. Ask the disciples who walked around with Jesus and then forgot. So we are not, we are not exempt from forgetfulness. Mezuzah, mezuzah. So as Christians, Jesus calls us to live a life as God intends it. We call that the kingdom of God. So you are made in the image of God. You and you and you, all of us. And we're called to reflect the likeness of Jesus. We're called, we're made in the image, but we're called to be Jesus in the world, to be reflections of that, to love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love our neighbor on ourselves. And here's the worst part, to love our enemies like Jesus did. We're called to reflect Jesus in the world. But how? How are we to live into a life that the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, has for us. How do we continually grow in centering our lives on loving God and loving neighbor and our enemy? How do we do it? We do it by reading the Bible. That's one way. We do it by reading and reflecting and applying the Bible regularly over and over and over again in our lives. That's how we remember. 
It's super, super easy. Super, let me rephrase. Super, super simple. Very, very hard. Very complex. So there are, there are some reasons we don't do it. And I, wanna, I want us to uh, populate these reasons together. Why don't we read the Bible regularly? Go. Because we don't. That's good enough. I don't. Yeah. All right. What else? Too busy. Time. We're busy, right? What? Confusing, troubling, hard to understand. Anything else? We'd rather read something more uplifting. Don't know where to start. Lazy. You're going to hit one of the seven deadly sins. Nice work, Rob. What, what were you saying, Stephanie? Lack of discipline. Those are all really great, great reasons. So here's the ones that I wrote down. Number one, time. We say we don't have enough time. Number two, confusion. The words, the stories, the name and context are really hard to understand. Number three, I think this is big. We disbelieve in the power of this to change our lives. We disbelieve of the power that this can change us into becoming the images that God calls us to be. We disbelieve in his power. And last but not least, and this is real now, contradictions and troubling parts of this story. A God who seemingly slaughters in the Old Testament. How do we deal with that? Lance and I are reading it together this year, and we've been, it took us all the way through August to get through to the New Testament and from January to August, and uh, we're glad we're in the New Testament. You were glad we're in the New Testament. So what happens? Because it's confusing, because it's hard. We don't believe in its power. We think maybe it doesn't apply to us. We lay it, as, we lay it aside. We let it collect us. We don't click on the app to open that will send you a daily scripture every day because we're bored with it or we don't know where to start, okay? But here's the thing. People for thousands of years have used th these collections of books for the Holy Spirit to change their lives, absolutely change their lives. Past, they've turned to it for comfort. They've turned to it in times of need. They've done all these things. And one, one such person, McGray, uh, reminded us of this story this week when we were talking about it was St. Was Augustine. And if any of you know the story of St. Augustine, his life was an absolute train wreck. I mean, in terms of sinfulness and brokenness, we call him a saint, but this dude was broken big time, okay? And one day, he was suffering so hard in his life. He was like in so much pain. He went outside, and he was crying to, to God, and he said this. He wrote, he wrote this in confession. Oh, Lord, how long? Why is there this hour not an end to my uncleanliness? And then what happened in his life? He heard something out in the distance. He heard a child's voice. He heard a child's voice repeating something over and over again. You know what it said? Take up and read. Take up and read. So he got up. He wanted to see the source of this thing, but he couldn't find where it was. And when he was looking around, he was outside now, he found a Bible. And he picked up that Bible and he opened it to the book of Romans. And what he discovered was God's love and God's forgiveness in a way that he had never experienced before. Because this guy had sinned boldly. Take up and read. Take up 
and read. And because of that moment, Christianity has never been the same. Take up and read. You see, brothers and sisters, this book has the power to change our lives. It will help you remember who God is. It will help you remember who you are, and it will help us remember who we're called to be out in the world. But we got to read it. You too can live a life as God intends. And that's, that's why I believe that if we're quiet enough, and if you're quiet enough, you'll hear that voice. Take up and read. Take up and read. Take up and read. So you heard Matt describe this series that we're in, GRIP. And we really believe, you know, you're in worship, yay. Many of you are in small groups. We encourage that. We, we encourage you to be in service in the world according to your gifts. Those are things we do best in a community. And now what we're trying to equip you, to support you, to inspire you is your GRIP, to give generously. If you missed that sermon last week in either one, uh, check it out online. Number two is read the Bible. And that's what we're talking about today, inviting. I, some people invited some different folks today. Thank you for doing that. And then in two weeks from today, we'll do prayer. That's what our grip is. And what we have listened over these, actually the last year from you through the vision, visioning process is that you want to find a way to get comfortable reading this. You want to not be intimidated or frustrated or confused buy it. And so that's exactly what we're going to do in the year 2020 as a whole congregation. We've never done this before. We are journeying as a whole church to read the Bible together in a year. Mm. <laughs> wow. I've really fallen down on the inspiration piece today. Nice work. So is it intimidating? Is it intimidating? Absolutely. It is. Is it doable? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I want you to picture at the end of the year, if any of you have ever run a marathon for the first time, I've done one, you know that you are in a small proportion of, of people who have ever actually run a marathon in the whole world. And if you read the Bible, P.S., the whole thing, you will be a small percentage of people in the whole world who have actually read the thing cover to cover. It's not a checklist. It's not... It's not just to say that we did it. It's not to be rote. It's to allow the spirit to jump into our hearts and our, and our minds and our souls to shape us to something new. We're going to be calling this new project, the Bible Project 2020. You'll see the graphic up here on the screen. And it's going to give us a 2020 vision so that we can live out and be a congregation. I like that you clapped, Max. That's allowed. Oh, yeah. All right. So here's how it's going to work. Here's how it's going to work. We're going to preach our way the whole, through, all the whole way through the Bible. We have 13 worship series throughout the year, and we're going to follow this same with a daily reading plan. It's actually the plan that's outlined right here. Lance is familiar with this book because we're doing it together this year, and we're going to do it again next year. So we're going to follow a reading guide. There'll be daily readings. There'll also be a daily devotional that we can send out to you to get to you to kind of um, inspire you and encourage you as you go. Number uh, three, there's going to be a weekly podcast. We're going to have a podcast about 
the different topics, the different books, and McGray and a, a lay team are working on that, and that's going to be pretty cool. Our children's and youth ministries are going to journey through the Bible together too, and that, so they'll be following along in that. And then last but not least, we're going to have small groups to encourage each other. So I want to inspire you, encourage you to do that. It, 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 like I said, it emerged from the vision process. We heard it in the surveys. We heard it in the vision chats that you want to grow. Want to grow. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. We use a lot of guides in our lives to direct us, don't we? How many times have you plugged in GPS destination, right? How many of you have opened that annoying, big kind of uh, instruction manual for a Ikea something and you want to like kill yourself at the end of it because it's so hard to understand, right? We have guides. Mark the aesthetic um, in the fifth or sixth century wrote this. He wrote, he, he said this, to journey without direction is wasted effort. To journey without direction is wasted effort. You see, being a Christian without the Bible is like journeying without any direction at all. This helps us remember, and it helps direct our actions. Now, we don't want you to wait till January, by the way, to start. We have daily scripture readings every single week. You'll see that in your sermon insert, and that you might consider tucking that into your Bible and, and walking that because there's a handy reference in there. I want you to know when I was wrestling something with my kids that was really, really hard and really, really dark a number of years ago, I had a couple of go-to scriptures that I had to hold on to in my life. And one of them was, God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-control, right? When I was struggling with an addiction many years ago and I had used the uh, text, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. What's yours? When you have fear, what's your go-to? When you're worried about health concerns or your kids or the nation or whatever it is, what, how are you using this to help anchor you and remember that God is with you and God is with us? In your sermon insert, there's some scripture that might be a handy guide to you. I want to tell you quickly about my grandfather, Russell. I named my son after him. He was born in 1917. He, was, he went through the depression. He was a very um, intelligent guy, but he was very, very poor. He was marginally Protestant. He met my, uh, my, my grandmother and fell head over heels with her, and she was Catholic. And you know, back then, that wasn't a good thing. So he converted and he became very faithful to God and very faithful to the church. And he was like a dad to me. He was like a dad, very wise guy. He took me to mass every week, took me to CCD, which for those of you who aren't Catholic, that's like our Wednesday night programming, catechism. And, and before his daughter, Amy, my aunt, went off to college, he gave her some advice. And this is what he said to her. He said, Amy... I can't tell you to live a good and moral life because that definition, that definition of what that means changes weekly in our culture at that time. He said, 
But I can tell you this. When you go about your journey of life into college and out into the world, you can strive to do your best. You can strive to be honest. You can strive to be kind and to love everybody. And when you come back at the end of the day, of end of each day, and you stand in front of the mirror, and if you can look into that mirror, into the eyes of your soul, and you can say that you loved well, that you were honest, and you were kind, well, Amy, that'll be good enough for me, and that'll be good enough for your mother, and that should be good enough for you. He didn't exactly say it, but you get the sentiment that he was saying, remember who you are. Remember who God is. And remember who, we have been, who you've been called to be. Can you hear it? Take up and read. Take up and read. Let's pray together. God, we give thanks for this holy book that is sometimes confusing, sometimes boring, but very transformational. And it tells the story of you, your relationship with us and your love for us. It's all that's necessary to instruct us in salvation, to be the people you have called us to be, to love God and to love others more and more and more and more. Light our hearts on fire and our desire to take up and read to take up and read. In the name of the God the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.